Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. This is Nicole Reeve with Driven TV, and you're listening to Living the Outdoors with Mark Jurek here on 95.3 WSCO. From the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt, presented by Fleet Farm. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now, here's your host, Mark Druitt. Greetings and welcome to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show. Here on The Score, I'm your host, Mark Druick. Happy November. Hard to believe we've already flew through October. It's uh, hard for me to even believe that uh, uh, we are here in November. But we're glad to have you along. Got a great show planned for you tonight. But if you want to jump in, you want to chime in, you want to, uh, you know, you got a question, a comment, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's Outdoors Living the, and you can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. So here we are. You know, the 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 ruts. Yeah, I had my feelers out there talking to some people. Some I know some people that have shot, shot some nice deer, and uh, I think things are about ready to snap. So in celebration of this, um, I've invited a good friend uh, in tonight who is a taxidermist. And Tom Poss is joining us here on Living the Outdoors. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? I'm uh, living the dream just as you are. <laughs> Happy retirement, Mark. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And, and uh, uh, thanks for coming in to uh, to help us celebrate that, too. That was nice. That was, you know, when they, we, we put that fundraiser on, I just, it, it was amazing to me. Um, how many people came that day? That was a, but thank you for coming. That meant a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. I, you've, you've done a phenomenal job over there at uh, the Real Shot, and uh, what a great fundraiser for a great program. Yeah, it's you know it, it, we've talked about it, and and uh, it's just you know those funds have to come from somewhere to take care of these kids to get them um, you know out and involved in the outdoors. And we were kind of talking about that before we came on the air uh, of how important that is to um, for these kids who don't have the the opportunity or the means to to do that that there is an avenue um you know kind of uh owned and parented by Ryan Marks over at Appleton East that that uh you know gives these kids something else to do cuz not everybody is into ball sports there's other things that whether it be archery or you know hunting shooting trap shooting whatever it is but uh yeah that was that was great and I, and I know they're they're pretty excited about uh, this hunting season and their upcoming ice fishing season as well. But tonight we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to be talking about, you know, obviously taking, you get a nice deer, you want to get it mounted. We're going to, we're going to focus on that uh, and, and talk a little bit about that, how to take care of that and some of the things to do. But, you know, Tom, before we do that, obviously you get a little bit more time to spend in the woods if you had a chance to get out. Uh, I was, uh, we were talking earlier, I was up north helping a, a buddy of mine sheetrock his garage, and I was able to get out a couple times, uh, first couple times this year. I saw a couple deer, um, nothing too much. I've had the trail cameras out there where you were talking about rut activity. Um, I had a buddy with me. He saw one doe, or uh, one buck kind of chasing after does, but they were completely non-interested. Yeah. Um, 
but I've had a lot of buck activity, daylight hours starting to show up on the cell cameras. So I, like you said, I think it's starting. I don't think it's kicked off in high gear. Um, surprisingly, there was a lack of uh, scrapes. Really? Um, I saw a couple and I know areas where my cameras are, I see bucks there and there were no really any scrapes right in those general areas. So I'm not sure what that's all about, but uh, I think the rut is going to start soon. I think we need some colder weather here. Well, I think that's coming. The the the, the weather's going to change. I mean, when you talk about perfect weather for this long, I mean, we're going on, I mean, I I was up north grouse hunting last week Friday and it was a little cooler than this, but it was almost like a carbon copy. 65 degrees, sunny, you know, a, a nice breeze. And it, it's been like that every single day since then. And even before that, there was, once we broke through that kind of nasty, what, three, four days of wind we had, everything just went to this absolute gorgeous weather, which you can't really ask for anything better this time of year. No, if you're, if you're a duck hunter, although these bluebird days are not ideal for duck hunting but it's nice being out there you're not cold you don't have to, mm-hmm. to leave to go warm up same thing with hunting i mean you can spend a lot of time out in the woods where you're not going to get cold and the deer are still moving around mm-hmm. the only thing is if you get one you got to tend to it right away yeah yep yeah that's the that's probably one of the drawbacks of the warmer weather but i remember back in the day when when i would hunt early season or even this time of year um, you know, having five, six, seven, eight bags of ice. Yeah. Cause you know, you got to get that cavity cooled down and, um, you just have to plan for it because if you don't, that's when it happens. Right. You right. know, and yep. as you very well know, it doesn't take long for that to spoil. No, it doesn't. You know, and you don't want to, you don't want to have anything bad happen. You know, you spend all that time and energy and money and commitment into sitting in a tree stand. I mean, there's a, that's a that's a reward at the end, and you have to uh, you, you got to take good care of that. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's usually, you know, Randy and I were talking about it last week. Is that 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 rut can can you know hit hit its stride anywhere from you know the fifth of November and run all the way through till whenever till till the doses stop you know coming into estrus. So right, yep, it's very got, true. Yeah, that that cold weather would help. But they're gonna they're gonna do they're their gonna thing. do it anyhow. Yeah, yeah. I was telling my buddy we we were out there hunting, and I'm like, you know, the weather doesn't really necessarily dictate the the rut because Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Alabama, uh, they have rut, and it's very very warm during their rut. But I think the cold weather just does something to all of us mm-hmm. uh, during that time. And I think it's a, you know, being up here, I do think it's a trigger for the deer just because it's a, a yearly thing for them. When it gets cold, it's time to chase the does. Yeah. You know, and it's, when you're talking about these, these especially the bigger bucks, I mean, they're not going to want to waste any any energy. And if it's, you know, 75 degrees during the day, well, you know what, that, that activity will help them when it cools down a little bit. And when the sun goes down, it the temperature drops pretty it does. Dramatically. It does, and that and that's the other side of that. You know, we talked about it being warm during the day. Um, you know, if you get something, you have the uh, opportunity to cool it off at night because mm-hmm. it does drop pretty low. Um, I know that you go down to Iowa and hunt, and I went down there for many many years. And the guys down there would always surround November tenth, five days before, five days after, as the magical time for the rut. Mm-hmm. And it was generally 
pretty consistent with you know that being the ideal time. I I agree because I've been down there, I bow hunted down there three times, um, and that was back when you could get a tag like in two to three years. Now it's like five. Right. And that anywhere from the fifth to the tenth, you know they would say. Um, but you you almost have to down there. It's weird because not any different than here. But those deer, when it's on, it's on. Oh. And and all of a sudden it just. If you get there at the right time and you, you know, they're, they're starting to, to, the does are starting to come into asterisk and those big bucks are moving. Cause once, obviously we all know once they get locked up with a doe, yeah, that's it. They don't. Right. I've, I've seen them in Iowa, the doe laying in the ditch on the side of the road and the buck standing right there yep, yep. and they don't let them get anywhere out of their sight they'll follow them around they get and they get locked up so yeah and i think once they get past that one doe that they are waiting for Mm -hmm. and then it's on Mm -hmm. then then the chase starts again and uh um down there rattling will get you something every time just about every time it's i was just talking with a a friend of mine Uh, he hunts in buffalo county and he's rattled in a, a few deer in buffalo county and i think that's pretty consistent with buffalo county mm-hmm. uh but yeah around here mm. you know it's just sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i have not had the success that i've had in iowa I, iowa you just touch the antlers and something's running in uh, you know it's crazy in up here it's it's i've done it with little or no impact right yep you know like you said down there there's been times where I, i've i've had the antlers the racks in my hand and just start going like this and, and go to hang them up and there's a deer there like, how did he get here right that quick but that's how that's how they respond and it's weird because they don't look in trees down there here they do right yes down there I, i've been on eye level sitting in a ditch looking at the edge of a field and having the deer you know looking he wasn't looking at me he was looking through me at the deer that were on the other side of the ditch yeah and you know here in wisconsin they come walking by all of a sudden as soon as they they i don't know what it is but they're always looking in a tree one of the guys i hunted with down there uh he i I told him i said yeah hot dog came through a buck was chasing and literally six other bucks came from all different directions to that sound of that doe running and being chased by that buck (laughs) and i said can you come out with me and run through the woods? <laughs> and he's just like, I've thought about that. If you could teach a dog to just simply run through the woods or something to run through the woods and imitate that chase that's going on, because they can't, they, I mean, if unless they're downwind, they don't scent that doe, that hot doe. They hear that, they hear that noise and they, they, they know that that sound is a doe being chased by a buck and they, they move in. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you on that because until they get on that, you know they get they get on that that scent trail, yeah. They're they're. It's just one of those things that you you try to mimic, but you really can't do much about it when no, you're you can't. when you're in the um, you know sitting in a tree stand. But there's all those things that that uh, that go along with. It. Were you a big uh, scent guy? Would you use like you know estrus scents or anything like that? No, I I, I used to until I started hunting with this group down in, in Iowa and all of them worked for professional companies and it was interesting because uh, I, I came down with my array of scent wafers and stuff like that sure and, 
And I get out and I'm unloading my stuff and I look at the tree and the tree is full of scent wafers. I mean, literally, there's probably 50 scent wafers up there. And I'm like, and I got them hanging from my hat and my, my backpack. <laughs> He's like, oh, you got the look going on. I'm like, yeah, what's with the ones in the trees? He goes, I let them blow out. Really? Oh, well, it's a product. So they have to wear their product. Okay. But they don't do any scent. And they don't do a lot of scent control. They take you know, care of their clothing and they'll spray down with sure, cover-ups. Then. Sure, But it's not drastic. Like I was like insane over my scent control. Their, their number one thing was the wind. Yeah. And they had a book and it, the book was, you know, had all the, the directions, east, west, northeast, and all the directions for prevailing wind. And those stands to sit in those winds. And I, I would say, hey, I want to go over here. And he'd be like, no, you can't go there. The wind's bad. And he goes, if we need a south wind, I want to get you in this stand. We had a south wind. I climbed up that stand, and I, I literally had two deer that were pushing 180, 200 inches in two different locations from that, that stand. But the, the guy that hunts the land, he's he and another guy pulled uh, five over 200-inch deer off that land. It's a th- over 1,000 acres of private right. land. Right. But it's just there's just giants down there. But they don't do anything with that. You know, the estrus, mm, taboo, uh-uh. They don't want to do anything to spook that buck. It's, it's all wind, all strictly wind. And, and, you know, that's the the basis of it all. Yeah. There's their, you know, if you if you don't have the right wind, don't go. And my friend would be the same way. He's like, I, I don't know. If you want to go sit in that stand, he said that's, that's not the right wind. It's going to blow down in what he would call the goody. Right. You know, right. it's going to blow right down in there. I said, but these deer are coming out. On the other side of that ditch, he says, well, you don't count on that every single time. You know, they'll come out one, they'll be over here, and then they'll be over here. And if you're looking for some of these bigger ones, they don't come out the same spot. They just don't. Right. You know, they may be betting in the same spot, but they're they're not coming out the same way. And, uh, you know, he taught me a lot about that. But even in the, in the, in the early days uh, uh, when we hunted, we didn't have all that scent control no. stuff. No, uh-huh. You know, you just, you, you put your clothes on and, you know, I smoked cigarettes back then and we had big breakfast and cooked bacon and yeah all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, we shot deer. Were they big ones? No. But the wind is, it, it is just the key. If yeah. you know, you know, where these, the, there's a travel corridor. And I mean, if you're a good hunter, I'm sure you'll agree. You know where these are. Oh, Pinch yeah. points, tra- yeah. you know, saddles, saddles yeah. um, transition areas, oak flats, all that kind of stuff. You're looking for that, and you set up accordingly. If it doesn't work, I've had to get out of my stand in my property in Iola because uh, the wind switched. Yeah. And there was a big oak ridge behind me, and what would happen is it, you, the wind would say prevailing north northeast or northwest, but it would hit those trees, and it would swirl around in there. And that's exactly what you don't want. Right, exactly. Um, because yeah. then, then you're you're gonna you're gonna knock everything out. Yeah, and this the 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 guy I hunted with his his general rule was, I this land is precious to me. It holds big bucks, and they're they get big for a specific reason. They're smart. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you play that wind wrong or anything like that, you blow them out of there, and it could take weeks before that buck shows back up. But it's a big enough land that you can sometimes draw them off onto you know two hundred acres away. Uh, but you know, around here, you don't have a thousand acres no. to play with. So if you're on a forty and eighty, uh, you know, one twenty, you could really chase a big buck out of there if you don't play it right. Yeah. No. No. You you mentioned cell cams. Um, is that part of your arsenal? 
You know, it is. I, um, for, for years, I always had just the regular trail cameras up there. Mm -hmm. And then I got a couple cell cameras and it's addicting. (laughs) I go through that. I check it multiple times a day and, you know, so I get alert and, uh, I had, a friend of mine t- gave me some really good advice because I had it set on uh, taking two pictures and to immediately send me a picture, but it only sends you one. And what he reminded me that while it's sending a picture, it's not taking a picture. Wow. So he said what he found was he was he almost doubled up his pictures by doing uh, two two dumps a day. Like morning really? and morning and night to avoid that instant one because the camera's occupied sending you that picture and it's not taking a picture if there's multiple activity in there. So if you have a hot, hot doe in there and you get that picture of the doe, it's like mm, just the doe. It could be trailed by a buck and you might miss that. It might it's gonna be on your card, mm-hmm. but it's it's probably not gonna send you that picture. And I thought, huh. Interesting. But I, I haven't I did that last year up until gun season and um uh, I, I just got to look at it all the time. I know. It, it was, uh, I, I have friends that do that, and obviously I was in that in that industry, and people would be in the shop, and ding, ding, ding. <laughs> sure. Oh, check this one. Ding. I, I Back in the day, if I had that, I, I don't know, I'd make myself insane. Because you know how to, do you ever see that meme on your phone? It's like, hey, I stopped by to, See if you were here and right. you were gone. And here's a deer looking up in the tree stand. Yeah. You know, it's. I didn't. It got to that point where it was. I just wanted to know, kind of what was around. You know, not really take an inventory or name the deer or anything like that. Just wanted to know. I set them up on scrapes. I wanted to know um, which direction the majority of the deer were moving. You know, I had yeah. cameras set up in in two different directions, and. Uh, you know, would always end up taking them down, you know, after I was done archery hunting, I'd take them down. This is deer, they're, you know, they're not really hitting the scrapes as much anymore. Got some really excellent video over the years of deer hitting scrapes and pulling branches down and jumping up in the air and raking their antlers on them. I mean, that's that's kind of fun stuff. It is. You, you do get a lot of other things. I have porcupines, skunks, raccoons, and... I, I knew that we had a fair number of coyotes where where I hunt. Mm-hmm. It's insane really? how many coyotes I have on pictures. I was, for a while, there getting more pictures of coyotes than I was of deer. Uh, so it was a little bit of troubling that uh, we might have to go up there and do some predator control. Uh, but the other thing is I think it because people, people get lazy, too, in the sense that they don't do any more scouting. They just put out a camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is what I have here. And I know for a fact that we have deer in our property that probably don't go past those cameras. Exactly. And my buddy was sitting in a stand where there is a camera, and he said all the activity was behind the camera. <laughs> and that buck that I talked about earlier that was yeah. trying to check out the does, all that activity occurred, and they never once walked past that camera. And then I, I know for a fact where I've sat in that same stand and I've had deer come out, walk past that camera, and I look at my phone, and no picture came through. So I mean, they're not—they're not foolproof. I mean, they have their flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people get a false perception on exactly what's going on mm-hmm. when there's more activity out there than what you realize. Yeah, you got a camera in a specific spot. You got maybe a forty-yard range and a cone of about forty degrees. That's it. 
you got a lot of other land out there that's not being covered. Yeah, exactly. And and just just no way you could ever you could ever do it. Now they've got those cellul uh, links and uh, all these cameras that you can link together and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. uh, you know, still not going to give you the true picture. But I I do before we take a break. I do want to go back um, and just mention what you said about you still have to scout. You know, and I always that's all we did. We had to scout. Right. We went out and shed hunted. You looked for wedding or uh, bedding areas, yarding areas, all that kind of stuff, to help put your puzzle together. You know, I, I still think you still have to do that. You do. You do. You do. You've yes. got to touch things. You've got, you know, um, down down trees, um, uh, over uh, trout streams being dammed up by beavers somewhere along the line, and all that stuff dramatically changes how these deer travel and. The reason I say that is because I had the, the beavers built a dam on the bridge that went over the trout stream that ran through my property. Well, once you do that and it back floods that, those deer got to pick a side or another. Because number one, they right. weren't. A lot of them did not cross that bridge for whatever reason. I don't think they they really liked to cross the bridge, but it, it back flooded it and pushed all those deer up to higher ground. So. You had to get rid of the little buggers, right? But by then, that year was trashed because it took forever to get that water to drain out um, and make that. You know, deer like to travel creek bottoms. They just do. They're right. not going to swim. Yes, they do. But they like creek bottoms. So when that happened, it 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 took away that area for you to hunt. So mm-hmm. like you said, you got to go scout. You well, okay? Where did the deer move to? Yep. Go look for them. Yeah, that's exact. I had to switch my my uh, my stands. Um, and, and just find different areas done because they weren't in there. Yeah. A lot of wood ducks in there. <laughs> you know, it was, it was packed full of wood ducks, but there were the deer were just, they ended up going over on, on both my neighbor's property because mine ran right along the creek bottom with all the alder thickets and the, the heavy grassy areas, and that was all uh, all underwater. But um, there, and I learned this valuable lesson. Have somebody come in and get rid of them. I couldn't. I couldn't shoot them. I just could. I tried. I just you know. I, I couldn't do it, and because I kept breaking the dam open, well, guess what? They just chew down more trees. Yeah, and rebuild it. And and rebuild it. And they yeah. were they were chewing down all the aspen trees, and it was just a it was a, a royal nightmare. And and uh, um, they're kind of cool, but I didn't really want them housed on my property because they that year was I didn't shoot a deer that year. That's something. Yeah, it just messed up everything, and and they just found a a, a better place to go. So, all right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show right here on The Score. Welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for joining us tonight. Tom Ploss is joining me here, and we're kind of talking about deer hunting. We're going to get on to the topic of um, taxidermy and care. But if you have any questions, comments, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi.gmail.com, and you can also uh, look me up on on Facebook. I'm pretty busy on there these days. I post up a lot of stuff on there uh, because this is my most active uh, time of the year so you can it's outdoors living though you can look me up on that as well so we're kind of you know we're talking about sense and and i've had success with that 
here in Wisconsin, rattling no sense. Yeah. Yeah, I have to. Um, you know, scent control, I, I, you know, you can't speak enough about that. I was, I was very diligent about clothing and all that kind of stuff. And, and I ran into a guy down um, in Iowa, the, a friend of my friends, and said, he's, he was another guy, just, you know, wouldn't shoot anything unless it was 160 or better. I go one sixty. I didn't. I, 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 I'm hunting in Wisconsin for decades. I've I've never seen a one sixty. And he goes, well, there's there's, and he started to to tell me about that, you know, and it, it was parallel to what you said, you know, we don't use scents, uh, very little scent control, uh, play the wind, but, um, the uh, the other element is, you know, doing, doing your homework, and he said also. Whether you believe this or not, your diet has something to do with it. Yeah. And, yeah, yes. you know, you want to go out and, and eat pasta and garlic and all the Caesar salads and all this kinds of stuff. Well, guess what? You're going to smell. Yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I never thought of that aspect of it. He said, I changed my diet, you know, from uh, the day that the season starts. Obviously, most of the time he would be hunting would be in, you know, early to mid-November. But I've been down there in December, and bucks have been chasing does around. Pretty crazy, opening up scrapes in the snow, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he, he said, yeah, it, just give that some thought, you know, of, of what you eat. And, and, you know, he asked me this. He goes, you ever talk to somebody who just got done eating a, a, a omelet that had onions or something with onions in it? I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact. He goes, well, there's, there's an example. Right. Right there. It's funny you say that because I had a, a friend growing up that uh, during the guns or during the deer season, hunting season, he would go to a lot of just vegetables and greens mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and even avoiding eating red meat to that point. So yeah, I, I, it affects it. I you know, and I have, I've always a strong proponent. I don't care what what it is that you do if you if you think it works for you, then do it. Absolutely. You know, do it. You follow the moon phase. Some guys like, no, I don't believe in that. Then don't. But if it works for you and your success rate is, you know, above 50%, keep doing it. Absolutely. And me personally, I will never question somebody about what they choose to do so long as it's done legally. If they want to use a crossbow, a recurve, a compound, I don't care. Go mm-hmm. out in the woods, enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, exactly. I don't. It, to me, it's not personal to me, but on social media, there's some nasty attacks that occur based on how somebody harvested a deer. Instead of being excited and jubilant for that person, you are very critical and demeaning of that person on whatever weapon they chose to take that deer. Quite honestly, I don't really care because a lot of times I see these these instances where they're beating up on somebody, and that. That person's not hunting where that person that griping is hunting. It's, they're not taking a deer from them. Mm-hmm. They're not hurting them in any fashion. Just be happy for them. Yeah, it, that is one of the negative things of, of social media is that people, I don't know what what that stems from. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's ignorance. I don't know. I think it's a combination of that. I think it's the anonymity because your name's attached to that, but you're sitting at your house or wherever you are oh, yeah. and you're sending out attack barbs at this person that you're, you don't agree with. Yeah. I see a meme, uh, saw a meme once that uh, had this chubby kid sitting at an old computer. It says, mom, 
throw me another hot pocket on being a badass on Facebook. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's, just, it's like, okay, well, you know that that. And when I, once I thought about it, I go, yeah, people are hiding behind that because yeah, absolutely. I bet you a lot of those people would not have the courage to stand in front of that person and say that. Maybe some of them would because maybe they have no filter, but most of those people would not have the courage or the guts to, to do that. But when you're hiding behind your phone or whatever, it's easy to criticize or put down or demean somebody. And I think that's one of those things that really takes away from you know the outdoor brotherhood be happy for somebody right don't don't belittle them maybe it was the first deer they ever shot you know what crossbow like you said there's all of these things that you can utilize if you're if you're doing it ethically and legally all the power to you absolutely that's all that matters it's your hunt yep you make it the way that you want it to be and if it makes you happy and encourages you to get more people out there, you know, to do this because we all know what it's like. There's a there's a euphoria that comes over you when, you know, you're you're hunting and the birds are flying or there's a lot of grouse around or the deer are moving or you're out west for the first time. There's there's this euphoric, you know, essence that comes about you. It's like I wish everybody could feel like this. Right. I agree. You yes. know, and you've been out west. Yeah. And, you know, you're standing up on a mountain and you're watching the sun come up and you see the clouds are really feel like they're within arm's reach. reach. How many people really do that or or take the time or put in the effort or the commitment to do that? And that's like, you know, there's probably a lot more people that don't do this than than do it because it takes effort. Yes. And, And very true. You, it's hard to, which is one of the the reasons I do this show is to get people to understand that it's not about killing. It's, it's not the grail, it's the quest. Right. And, and I've mentioned this dozens of times over the years that some of the best hunts I've been on in my life, I didn't, I didn't harvest anything. And that's a hard concept for people to grab sometimes. And I think it takes time. You know, I remember early on, I, it's like, I went, I went hunting, I wanted to get something. And then there's a transition that you go through mm-hmm. the stages of hunting or being a hunter. Yep. And yeah, I'm to that point too. I would agree. Some yeah. of my best times in the woods were watching my, my kid get something. Yeah, exactly. Watching somebody else, you know, um, enjoy themselves and, and feel what we feel when, when that happens. Right. And yeah. it's it doesn't you know and i think that's the expectation tom is that you know hey i'm spending 600 bucks on a tag it's costing me a thousand bucks to get out there you know i'm going through a guide this is costing me a lot of money yeah you know their success rate is they say it's this but i i never really gave that any any major thought because I would always want to talk to the guide. And if I can connect with the guide, then I know I'm going to have a good time regardless. Right. I agree. Whether whether I shoot something or not. You know, if we can be out there having a good time and having some laughs and, and enjoying and I can learn something from them, uh, you know, and uh, um, that that's, to me, that's that's a win. Right. You know? it's And if you're with a guide, it's not necessarily the success that counts. It's the opportunity that counts. Right. And the adventure mm-hmm. that you, you go on. Yeah, it's it's that adventure. Maybe you're, 
you'll see a bear or a mountain lion or rattlesnake, maybe something you haven't encountered um, from wherever it is that you live that makes it, wow. And, and you know, out west you go, there's a, a different birds, different sounds, yeah. different smells, different looks. I mean, there's just the it, there's a there's a transition that you, that you go through when you get up into the into the mountains. That's just like wow. When you live in in Wisconsin, you know, and you think the bluff country out in uh, along the Mississippi River is steep, and you're up at ten thousand feet, right? And you're going wow, big difference. Yeah, that yeah. little I can hardly see the car from here. <laughs> right. But um, you know that's that's you know unfortunately. Um, there's a lot that goes with that, and I think sometimes people think that they're, they're, however they're rated as a as a sportsman is based on what they shoot. Right, it is. Yeah, I and, would agree. Some and, people live by that. And I, I okay, <laughs> if that, but you know, then you you you're you're disappointed. You know, who, who who wants to participate in an outdoor sport like hunting and be disappointed? No, all the you time? shouldn't. It should be a pleasure every time you go in the woods. Well, then pick, go pick up crocheting and try and do that and see how disappointed you are with that. So, um, all right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we have more coming on Fleet Forms Living the Outdoor Show right here on The Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on the Score. Glad to have you along with us. Uh, if you want to call us, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me too at livingtheoutdoorswigmail.com. So, Tom, you know, obviously you've you've done some work for me, um, and it's phenomenal. I get so many comments on that. Good. Everybody said that is a really cool way to mount that. And, and I said, no, Tom, for you. yeah, that, that, that pack mount was cool. And I think, you know, when we talked about it too, and we tilted the head a little bit and put those ears back yeah, or made it look like it was, they actually were a little bit forward. Yes. Like it was actually dead. Yeah. Yeah. It, very realistic in the yeah. sense of if you're going to pack out a deer, this is how you do it. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what, what it would look like. But yeah, I get so many, so many comments on that. And that's. It's kind of a really cool way to do it. You know, when you have a, a lot of head mounts or Europeans, there's always something to look for that's a little bit different. Yeah. That has a little bit more add to it. You know, it's got the pack and it's got the the black and red flannel roll up underneath it. I mean, it's it's you could add anything you wanted. You can. You, you could can. put a couple arrows, a quiver on there, a yep. set of binoculars, whatever, um, and really dress it up and make it cool. It's amazing how popular the pack mounts have become uh i think there's a fallacy out there that they're cheaper they're actually more expensive because there's more material involved sure you're not dealing with the the shoulder mount but the 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 head shell isn't that less much less money it's everything else that goes along with it that kind of brings the price up i'm doing a bear pack mount uh, this year for a guy oh very cool and uh, he shot it towards the end of the bear season and he called me and he says yeah the uh, the guy that I was with was uh, doing quite the hack job on it, and he cut the the bottom paws off. And I'm like, why? Why would he do that? And he he was telling him he was a, he wasn't sure if he wanted a pack mount, um, and they they cut the the back legs off, the feet, the paws. And I'm like, well, bring those back. That's 
throw those in the cooler. I said, we got to determine what you're going to do with this thing. Yeah, exactly. And he goes, they put a lot of cuts in there. So I looked at him like, holy cow, they really did. He goes, I tried to slow them down and tell them to take their time. And their, their response was, well, if you got a good taxidermist, you can fix it. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, yeah, we generally can try to fix things, but that's not the purpose of it. It's right. if you're going to, if you, if you have something that you believe is a trophy and that you want to put on a wall to look at it, you got to take care of it. Absolutely. And take your time and make sure that you bring whomever it is that's going to do that for you. You bring them the best quality deer that you possibly can. And uh, I know we talked about this in the past, um, and we talked about the heat recently. Um, three weeks ago, when it was uh, in the 70s, I had a guy call me, and he was hunting in Buffalo County. And he sent him a text message. He said, I just shot a giant. He goes, but I don't. I, I want to do a European. Do you want the cape? And then he said, dressed out at 230 pounds. And I'm like, oh, that's got to be a big dare. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And, and then um, he was coming back home from Buffalo County right away. And I got off the phone, and I sat there for a little bit, and I looked at my wife, and I'm like, oh, this might be a huge mistake because it was so hot. And yeah. now you're going to put that, that animal into a, a truck and come back. But he did it right. He brought it back. He had skinned it out and went up as far up the neck as he could. And then in the tubed out neck chest area of the, the hide for the, he stuffed a bag of ice in there and he got it to me right away. And I took care of it right away. And it's probably one of the bigger capes that I've ever had. Really? The, the very first measurement that we take is an eye to nose measurement. And I would say generally around here, they're seven and a quarter to seven and a half. This one was eight, eight <laughs> inches. And the next measurement is right behind the ears on the skin because a lot of people will take it over the over the, the hair, and that adds anywhere from an inch to three inches depending on the, the time of the year that you shoot it. And that was 23 inches, and I would say generally speaking, a nice deer around here normally is in, in, in the neighborhood of 17 to 19. So this was 23, and then the large measurement is the atlas, which is three inches below the ears. That was at 25 and a half. Oh. And I would say generally a nice deer around here, you're looking at anywhere from 19 to 22 in there. So this was this was a, a really nice cape. And um, so I'm going to hang on to that one and hopefully have a, a good project that I can put that to. But th we were talking before about, um, you know, bringing a good quality. Mm -hmm. And it's imperative that if you shoot an animal and that you want it mounted, take care of it. Try to get out to keep the blood off it. There's there's the evil is bacteria and the thing that causes bacteria growth is blood water and heat and heat being your primary uh, evil okay key in there so if you can keep the the blood off it and keep it wet even in the heat you're going to give yourself a little bit of time but you throw in those other elements and then you're just asking for disaster um, i had another one brought to me lat two years ago um, that was um washed out in a lake just to kind of get the blood off it so it was soaking wet when it came to me and i'm like yeah don't do that again um and i got another one that was wet and full of sand so it's like yeah this one was back in the don't lake. do that again either <laughs> so it's like you got to be you got to take care care of these these animals and there's plenty of videos out there in mm -hmm. propaganda on how to properly cape that deer off uh, taxidermists don't need the whole hide 
But if you don't know what you're doing, it's always best to bring the whole hide. But ideally, you just want to go to where the sternum comes. If you're gutting out the animal where you hit the bone, stop right there. And if you tube it around the entire animal, around the back at that location, and then pull the legs out like you're taking off a sock, you're golden. And then try to get up as far as you can. I've had people bring me um, the deer head, and there's probably 30 pounds of neck meat left in there. I mean, it's literally from you know the, the joint in the back of the head. Um, almost all the way down to the body where I got a chunk of meat in there. And it's, I'm like, I, I don't have time to dispose of this. I'm right. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on. I just want to take care of this animal. So, and plus that's going to retain heat in there too. And a lot of people roll them up, throw them in a garbage bag and then throw them in the freezer. It's going to take deer survive winter because of their hair. Mm-hmm. It keeps them warm. Well, the same thing. It's going to keep that warm. So you roll it up and if you get a hot spot in there, which means that it's it starts to slip where there's a little bit of bacteria in there and you roll it up even in that freezer it's going to it's going to cause some issues in there so that when it, you thaw it out and um, you start looking at it you could end up with some hair slippage so ideally you want to lay it out get it cool it doesn't have to be cold but get it cool and then you can roll it up and throw it in a freezer and then bring it in if that if that's what your choice is but ideally get it to the whomever your tax service is right away and let them take care of it yeah, that's that's some great um, tips there because, you know, there's there, you guys do work magic, but there's some things that just make your job a little bit, a little bit more difficult. Yeah, you can't fix everything. No, but you certainly try. Yeah, exactly, and it's uh, yeah, I've seen some pretty, some pretty bad things done to some deer. Um, uh, so let's say okay, you got this deer down. You know, you've you. You you decide in your mind. Yes, I want to. I want to have this mounted. Just what are what are the the, the three things that you're going to want? I know you've mentioned quite a few, but what is that first thing? Obviously, you know, I'll put your tag on it. But um, what are you going to want to do from a taxidermist perspective um, to make sure that you know it it is the best? Do you wipe whatever blood off of that hair? Obviously, it's going to have a hole in it or two. Um, um, no, I mean, if it's dripping wet, yeah, I mean, just wipe it down. Um, if it's wet, wet, if it, you know, falls in a lake, a river, or a swamp, or just a mud hole, yeah, you want to wipe that off as clean as you possibly can. But then when you get the skinning, try to go to the skin as much as you can, because there's a lot of fat and meat on there that mm-hmm. if you're not, you can leave a lot of that on there. That's unnecessary, because again, we talked about blood being a, an attractant for bacteria, so the more of that you take, you leave off of that, off that hide, the better off you are. Um, and like I said before, you don't have to bring the whole hide, but if that's what you're comfortable with, then that that's fine. Do that whole thing. Don't salt it, because when it comes to whoever is going to take care of that, the tax service, they have a process where they need to make sure that everything's off there and trim it up and cut it to you know to length and stuff like that. Okay. And that salt will just create a god awful mushy mess. Really. So don't salt it. Um, you're better off cooling it and then freezing it. And I talked about before getting it cool. You can even take that cape if you shorten it uh, to the brisket. You can lay that out in the, the freezer and then until it is cold and then roll it up and let it freeze. Okay. Um, th- there's a number of different things in there. But just, I really just keep it as clean as possible. Um, don't hang it from the neck. Because you're going to damage that hair, and that once you damage that hair, it's not going to get fixed. 
You can hang it by the antlers. I would avoid that too because usually you're going around the burr um, or right in that area, right around the brow tines, the burr area. And you can still damage that area. Um, I would hang it by the back legs, not for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. I would hang it from there, clean it, and then get that off. Because eventually if you hang it by the legs, a lot of the fluids are going to drain down. I mean, it's just gravity. Right. Um, and you don't want that either. But if it's just simply, I'm just going to skin this deer out, hang it by the back legs and skin it all the way down, it's going to make skinning a lot easier. Try to get down right to that joint knuckle in the back of the head. And if you cut that, go from the throat once you get in there. And if you can bend his head opposite of his body, you're going to, get, you're going to be able to see that joint in the back of the throat. And you'll be able to cut that joint and then give it a twist and it'll pop right off. Right ah. at that knuckle that goes into the back of the head. Get that up as close as, to that as you possibly can. Ideally. Yep. Yep. Uh, now, you had mentioned don't hang them by the neck. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, don't drag them out uh, by the neck no, on the back of a four-wheeler. Or the be, truck. Uh, yeah, no, I've had that instance too where one side is just rubbed raw. There's no hair left on there. Um, and it's... You can't fix that, that you're not going to put hair back in there. And the other careful area is don't cut up the sternum all the way um, or be careful of the armpits. If you look look at a deer mount, there's a little bit of the armpit in there, and that's mm -hmm. the thinnest area on that outside of the face. That's the thinnest area on that animal. So if you put a cut in there, I can sew it up. Can I hide it? Not always. So just be careful in the armpit areas. Uh, God created that deer with a, a magical white and brown line on the back of his leg. If you follow that line on the back of his leg and then go towards the back end of the deer, you'll stay out of that armpit area. Perfect. Great advice. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show right here on The Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for uh, tuning us in tonight. Glad to have you along. Hope you learned some things. If you're fortunate enough to, you know, get out there and, and harvest a nice buck that you want to get mounted, um, Tom has shared some pretty pretty important tips here uh, with us. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit, and you said, you know, roll the hide up. Do you roll it to the inside or to the outside? Uh, the outside, hair to hair. Hair to hair. Yep. Okay. But again, wait until it's cooled down. Yeah, that's it, the key. Yeah. That's the key. And I, I like the idea of what you said, you know, just lay it out in the in the freezer and, it, and cool it down quick. Yeah, and if you have a freezer big enough to put the deer head in there because of the antlers being attached to it. But if not, uh, you know, it's getting cool at night. If you laid that out on your concrete, yep. I don't suggest leaving on a concrete because that concrete absorbs moisture and it could suck a lot of the moisture out of that deer. Um, Interesting. you know, it's kind of, I said, don't keep, don't, don't bring me a wet one, but you don't want to bring me a dry one either. So if you, if you just leave it on the garage floor and don't, don't wait days and weeks to take it to whomever you're going to take it to, uh, have a plan before you go out hunting on who you're going to go for, go sure. to for a tech service. And, you know, and I tell people all the time, if it's somebody new and they call me, I'm like, mm, don't make your decision up, come over to my house. 
look at my shop, look at the deer I have on the wall. These are my own deer, but this is the same thing I do for you. Mm-hmm. So if you like my deer, I'm going to do the same thing for you. Yeah. But I always tell people, and if, if you're not satisfied or you, you're, you just don't get the vibe, that's fine. Yeah. Go to somebody that you feel comfortable with and go look. Just don't just randomly pick somebody because if you're unhappy, that's on you. Yeah, I love that. You know, if it's not me, that's fine. Totally you know, fine. Yeah. Um, some uh, there's different levels of taxidermists out there, and I'm I'm that way with birds. You know, I, I I've had some terrible mounts done, and yeah. now I finally finally found um, my bird taxidermist. Um, we used to be in Nina, now he's out in, in Ripon, and he's phenomenal. Yeah, I think we know. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Jeff Herrick and, yeah. and from Bird Zone, and um, he uh, he does a a phenomenal job and you know and and that's it it's i've talked to a lot of people and i finally found him and that's where i was comfortable and i like the i think the key is what you mentioned tom come to the shop yeah talk to me see the mounts i have here because this is exactly what you're going to get and and that in itself um i think is is worth it because now there's that comfortability factor um, yes. Okay. Now I and trust. You yep. know, cuz yep. you know, what regardless of what it is, you know, if it's a, a nice Drake Widgeon and you've wanted to shoot one of those your whole life and you finally get one, you want to make sure you got it in the right person's hands. Right. Yes. And and uh same thing with a with a nice deer. Yep. You know. One of the things that always drove me nuts and and I've always done this as a hobby. It's never been my full-time job sure. to pay the bills, put food on the table. I just do it because I enjoy doing it. Yeah. And I've, I've, you said before about, uh, I've done some really small bucks, but they've been very special to the people that shot them Absolutely. because of their first buck, their kid's buck, whatever it is. And I find pleasure in, in bringing that joy back to that person. But there's always that philosophy out there or that, that saying out there is you get what you pay for. And I don't believe mm-hmm. that because if I'm going to go shopping for a, a new car, am I going to buy it at the most expensive dealership? Or am I going to shop around and find the best price for the same vehicle? You're going mm-hmm. to shop around. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've historically always kept my prices low because it's a hobby and I enjoy, I, I take pleasure in doing this. It's not a business, it's not a, a, to sustain my lifestyle for me, nor do I do a whole lot. So I keep my prices low, but costs are really shooting through the roof. Yeah. Uh, the, the cost of forms and supplies are, are going crazy. People... Some people use Bondo for uh, the eyes and ears and stuff like, or the ears rather. Uh, that has gone crazy. So go and look. You don't, if you're going to pay $1,200 for a, a mount, you, it better be good. Right. But don't knock on the guy that's only at 500 because it could be good. Is it going to be like these professionals where they're going to put it on the circuit? Probably not. But that doesn't mean go and look because that tells everything. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, listen, Tom, great to get together with you. Great to have you in the studio. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Uh, It's been most enjoyable. It goes by quick, doesn't it? It does. It's been (laughs) my pleasure, Mark. All right. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate you having along here on Fleet Farms Living the Outdoors show. Remember, if you have the ability to impact somebody's life through the outdoors, please take advantage of it. I guarantee you it will make you a better person. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.